today on Locked On Los Angeles Kings. Like 20 minutes of me just going, what was that? I mean, really, what was that? Also, plus, I guess we'll check in on some prospects or something, but like, for real, what was that? All that and more on Locked On Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So this is Locked on Los Angeles Kings. I'm your host, Sarah Avampato, managing editor of Jewels from the Crown. But of course, here today with you to like, for real, what was that game? We knew the Kings would be bad this year. That is just sort of the expectation of their existence is that they're not going to be good. But like, what was that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's the back to back. It's the Canucks home opener. They're naming their new captain. I think I saw like a Sedin there. Maybe both of them. I don't know. The Canucks are coming into this game with all sorts of motivation to do well in front of their home crowd. They haven't won a game yet. Kind of expected the Canucks to win this one. But like, I didn't expect the Kings to look quite as putrid as they did. It's the beginning of the season. Y'all shouldn't be tired yet, but they all sure did look real tired. I think the only redeeming value of this game was getting to see Tanner Pearson. Like that was it. I think he had a multi-point night. No, there's literally no redeeming value to this game. There's nothing to take from it other than the defense is bad, which is a thing that we all knew about going into this season because the moves that they made to fix their defense were not actually adequate moves. They didn't bring in like a real defenseman. They brought in Ben Hutton, who's been fine, and Joachim Ryan, who's been non-existent because he hasn't played. So we knew there were problems on the blue line. We knew that Jonathan Quick was kind of a big question mark. <laughs> and uh, that question mark is getting bigger. Quick gave up eight goals last night against the Vancouver Canucks, who in their previous two games had scored a total of two goals. I'm no good at math, but that's like a very large percentage increase in their total goals. This is one of those games where it feels like the Kings actually kind of did everything right. They overall led in possession time. They had a 52.88% quarter. C4 uh, at even strength, and they got better as the game went on. The final period, they had over 63% Corsi 4 uh, at even strength again. They outshot the Canucks. They kind of were even in high danger chances. This is all from natural stat trick. We're credited with six high danger chances to the Canucks eight. Okay, fine, whatever. They did the right things. They won 61% of the faceoffs. They only took two penalties, so the Canucks didn't have the opportunity to go hog wild on the power play or something. They had 39 total shots to 25 for the Canucks, you know, and outside of kind of a putrid first period where both teams ended up with 10 shots. The Kings hit double digits each period and Jacob Markstrom was just phenomenal. The Kings' chances were just not that hot as was the rest of the team was not that hot. The only Kings' goals came from Tyler Toffoli who kind of got a 
great pass from Carl Grundstrom. Uh, that was actually a really nice play between the two of them that sent Toffoli in kind of alone on a mini-ish breakaway one-on-one against Markstrom and Toffoli just buried it. That was really nice to see. He's got two goals in three games. So if this is the resurgence of Tyler Toffoli, maybe this season will have something nice in it. Uh, and then Sean Walker scored to open scoring for the Kings in the third period. But that momentum was killed very quickly because the Canucks scored about 40 some seconds later by Chris Tanev, who again, I didn't realize that he was still around just this game was bad. I don't like Ilya Kovalchuk. Okay. So like, well, I don't have any organized thoughts for this one. So we're just going to go with it as it comes. Ilya Kovalchuk is like Jekyll and Hyde. He had a pretty strong game against Calgary. He had a pretty crappy game against Edmonton. He had a pretty crappy game tonight. You know, one puck went in right off his skate. So much like the own goal in the first game, there wasn't a whole ton Jonathan Quick could have done about that one because he isn't expecting to have to deal with a deflection from his teammates' skate. Kovalchuk was just, he looked okay on the power play, but as a couple people pointed out on Twitter, his shot is so easy to read now. There's no deception in it. He just winds up and fires. So of course, if the goalie sees that, aka if your team is not doing the job of taking away the eyes of the goalie, if the goalie sees that, he's going to stop it. Not a great game from him. Kopitar looked slow. The kids on defense are all trying, but they're all kids. I'm increasingly certain they're going to send Bjornfoot back to, to Sweden. I feel like there was a minute or two where it seemed like they might keep him, but he has just really been struggling, which you expect from an 18-year-old, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, Um, and there's nothing wrong with him going back to Sweden to play in the SHL and play against men there and really work on that consistency and speed and positioning and all that stuff, but he hasn't looked too great. Jeff Carter looked fast for a second. He hunted down Quinn Hughes, and I think Hughes barely won the foot race. Carter definitely went, like, streaking into the zone, and I was like, who is that large? fast man on the Kings. I didn't think we had any. And you scratched Austin Wagner, but no, it was Jeff Carter. Like, that was a nice thing about this game. Everything else was hot garbage. Uh, the defense is bad. Jonathan Quick was bad, but I don't know. I just don't know how much of how much of the bad things were him and how much of the bad things were the players in front of him. Quick ended with a 0.68 save percentage on the night. He faced a total of 25 shots and again allowed eight goals. He just looked bad. I I was watching the Canadian broadcast of this and they talked about him for a little bit at the end, kind of saying how, you know, last season went bad for him and everyone kind of writes off last season because it was bad for everyone. You just have to give everyone a blank slate after last year. Quick in his body language, in the way he reacted to goals, in his positioning, just did not look like he had it. And That's concerning because I don't know that this team is going to have the guts to do something about that. It's not all his fault, but at the end of the day, you need the goalie to sometimes bail you out and steal a game. And 2012 was a long time ago. We are very far away from that now. We all know that the Kings aren't supposed to be planning to win games this year, but you still want to see your goalie every so often come up huge for you. And there weren't too many times in this game where I felt that he was doing that. 
So it is going to be a very long year if this is what it's going to be like every game. Uh, so the Kings lose 8-2 to to the Vancouver Canucks, despite doing all the right things in some ways. Overall, just looked very discombobulated. Uh, the Kings, most of their shots came from like back behind the dots. Like they didn't even get up to the net. So they, they weren't really even challenging Markstrom that much. Their shots came from way far away, whereas the Canucks, oh, they just sort of scored from everywhere. It didn't matter. They just scored at will. I feel like the puck could have just like looked at Jonathan Quick and went in. So before we spend any more time on that mess of a Kings game, I want to tell you about a nice thing, which is the Vivid Seats Rewards program. Vivid Seats, if you don't know, it's an online event ticketing marketplace, which helps connect you with the hottest events in town. So if there's a big concert coming through, or maybe you just want a night out with your favorite sports team, Vivid Seats can get you there. And you earn credit back on all purchases made in the Vivid Seats app through the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. So not only is it easy to find and purchase tickets to your favorite events, but you also earn credits from 10% to 16% through the app. All confirmed orders on Vivid Seats are backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to the App Store or Google Play today and download the Vivid Seats app to start searching. You're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program, so you'll get credits on all of the purchases that you make through the app. And for a limited amount of time, you can enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. So that's the Vivid Seats app available wherever you get all your apps. Use promo code POSTSEASON to receive up to $100 off your purchase. If you're looking at the fancy stats breakdown, um, Sean Walker actually had the best night in terms of possession, in terms of being on the ice for shots for. At even strength, Sean Walker was on the ice for 17 shots for the Kings and three against, which is really good. Uh, his numbers are up there also with Cal Clifford, Michael Amadio, Ben Hutton, who I did a little Q&A with the Nux misconduct folks before this game. And one of the things they asked about was Ben Hutton who, as you know, used to be a Canuck and now is a king. I, I, I took a little bit to think about that because I honestly haven't noticed him. Aside from occasionally going like, oh, number 15, you're not Andy Andrioff, you're someone else. I haven't noticed him. And that's been good <laughs> because it means he hasn't been standing out for the wrong reasons. And he actually has some of the best numbers overall on the Kings in terms of possession, time on the puck, being on the ice for shots for the Kings. This was the first game out of three that he was actually on the ice for a goal against at even strength. Before that, and despite all the goals that the Kings gave up, uh, Hutton was not on the ice for any of them. And actually, it's remarkable, he was only on the ice for one goal against at even strength. That was a lot of goals against. There was eight total, and he was on the ice for one. Uh, on the ice for no goals against were Sean Walker, Cal Clifford, Michael Matteo, and Trevor Lewis, uh, which that's the fourth line. And those are kind of the guys you expect to get scored on because they're not necessarily your skill guys, but they did their jobs. Those three actually did fairly well in terms of possession, fairly well in terms of not being on the ice for a bunch of shots against. No goals against while Trevor Lewis, Michael Matteo, and Kyle Clifford were on the ice. On the flip side of things, Alec Martinez on the ice for four goals against. Adrian Kempe on the ice for four, four goals against. Matt Roy, Drew Doughty, Tobias Bierenfoot, all nice for three goals against. Jeff Carter had absolutely putrid possession stats. 21.74% course I four uh, for, for Carter. He looked fast, but not good at anything else. Uh, he was on the ice for a ton of shots against. Same with Kempe and Kovalchuk. All on the ice for like way more shots against than 
than the Kings. There's just no redeeming value in this game. And it's early enough in the season that I don't know that it tells you much about the Kings. I think what will tell you more about the Kings is how they respond to this game, both in practices and when they return to Los Angeles for their own home opener this weekend, Saturday the 12th against Nashville. You know, I think that that's going to say more about the Kings than this game. How do they respond? How do they bounce back? What does Todd McClellan do or change or switch up or whatever is there any response that he can have or is it really just on the guys on the team to play better but just a very frustrating exercise (laughs) in watching hockey and we are on game three of the season so we've got a long way to go and there's a lot of guys who need to step up no one looked particularly good in that game no one really stood out necessarily for good reasons i liked Toffoli and grunstrom lazat i still i just don't see him in games um, partly that's probably on me for not 100% remembering his number but also i just i just don't see a whole ton of them the fourth line again continues to look really good but they're the fourth line And when they're your most noticeable players putting up your best stats, I think that says something about your team and doesn't necessarily say something great. So yeah, that's that's the quick gut reaction to the Kings loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, tomorrow, we, once the dust sort of settles and the post-game quotes come out and maybe the Kings get a practice under their belts or, you know, we, we start to hear a little more as they head back home, we might have a little more to dissect for you, but wanted to give you just kind of the honest gut reaction to, the, to that game, which was basically WTF. <laughs> So let's take a little time to catch up on what some of the King's prospects are up to right now. Uh, We've already checked in on some of the Canadian Juniors guys. College hockey has not quite started yet, so we don't have a whole ton to talk about with any of those guys. So instead, we're going to turn our gaze to Europe and see how that group of players is doing. We're going to look first at the KHL, where the Kings have two prospects. One is Alexander Durgachev, who was drafted in 2015 in the third round. He's a 23-year-old, six foot five forward. So if you weren't sure when he was drafted, all you would need to know is that he is 6'5", and ta-da, he was drafted under the Dean Lombardi years. Durgachev has not particularly done anything over his career to date in the KHL. He doesn't look like he's a late bloomer. He's never really put up a ton of points at any level. If you go on Elite Prospects and look at his profile, like the first words in it, it's basically the hockey equivalent of look at this absolute unit. He has played 11 games for St. Petersburg so far this season and has two assists. Uh, His career high so far in the KHL has been 13 points spread out over two different teams. That was in the 2017-18 season. It feels to me increasingly unlikely that he'll come to North America. He doesn't fit what the Kings are looking for. He doesn't fit really the style of play in the NHL at this point. We probably won't spend too much time thinking about him or checking in on him uh, as the season goes on. He just seems like a prospect from a different era almost and very unlikely that he changes enough to fit to make it worth it for the Kings to uh, bring him over. Players in the KHL, if they were drafted by an NHL team, uh, that NHL team essentially holds their rights 
in perpetuity. So even if the kings don't see Dragachev as part of their plan going forward, they've got his rights anyway. We've also got Bulat Shafagulin, who is a 19-year-old winger. In 2018, he was a third round pick. He's six foot one. He has yet to play this year. Um, I was trying to do some Googling to figure out if he's injured or something else is going on, but haven't been able to find anything. If any of you are like KHL heads out there and you happen to know, let me know because I'm curious. Uh, he has, hasn't been assigned to a KHL team. He's on a team in the MHL, which is essentially their developmental league. Again, he's just 19 years old, so he has plenty of time to develop into something to see what exactly the Kings have there. So those are the two guys in the KHL. Over in Finland, we have Kim Nosiainen, who is an 18-year-old defenseman drafted this summer in the fourth round. He is your kind of prototypical undersized player who plays bigger than he is. He thinks of himself as an offensive defenseman, and that's sort of what his profile is. Uh, When I saw him play over the summer at the World Junior Summer Showcase, he was definitely taking on much more of a defensive role for the team, so starting to develop that in his game as well. He plays for Kalpa in Finland. He's gotten into 10 games so far and has scored one goal and one assist. Uh, The other day on Twitter, I saw some commentary from Marco Bombino, who is a Finnish-based scout for the Chicago Steel in the USHL. And he said that he was working on an article about Nosiainen, and he said on Twitter, Offensively, he is already the best defenseman on his team. Pinpoint passing, poise with the puck, and willingness to jump into the play are some of his best attributes. Displays noticeable confidence, too. He led all Liga players in puck possession time before today's game, today being a couple days ago. So the young defenseman already kind of making an impact and making a name for himself. He's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, He certainly has the new NHL style of play where, you know, size doesn't necessarily matter as much as how you play and how fast you are and how good your hands are, stuff like that. So he was a lot of fun to watch at the summer showcase, especially knowing that he is working on rounding out his game. So he is even better in his own zone. So keep an eye on him over in Finland. Uh, and then there's two guys in Sweden. There would be three, but the third is Tobias Bjornfoot, who is still here with us in the NHL. In Sweden, we've got Jacob Movarari, who is playing with Ferlinda. He's gotten into seven games and has one assist. He's a defenseman who was picked in 2016 in the fourth round. Uh, He's just 21 years old. He played coming up through the Swedish junior leagues as a kid, came over and spent two years in the OHL with the Mississauga Steelheads. And then when he aged out of the OHL, the Kings agreed to loan him back to Ferlinda in the SHL, which has been really good for his development, uh, at least, especially knowing how crowded the blue line is in Ontario. Ontario. You know, this way he is taking on pretty major minutes with a, a very high level professional team. Uh, last year, Forlunda won multiple things. They won the Champions League, they won the SHL Championship. And so he's getting a lot of experience over there that he wouldn't have gotten had he stayed here. So remains to be seen what exactly will happen with him and where he will ultimately end up. But he's at least been able to take on a really big role in Sweden. And then also on the same team, we've got Samuel Fagemo, who stuck around a little longer at King's camp, had some really impressive performances, but ultimately was decided that it's best for him to go back to Europe to play this season. He's played in four regular season games and then also three games in the Champions League. In the regular SHL games, he's got one goal and two assists. And then over the Champions League games, three goals and one assist. Two of those goals came in one game against the Cardiff Devils as part of Champions League play. One of those 
those goals was on a penalty shot, I believe. So he continues to impress as a young man in uh, the men's leagues over there in Sweden. So that's it from me tonight. We'll be back tomorrow on Locked on Los Angeles Kings for slightly more rational thought and less yelling, maybe. My name is Sarah. I am your host, and I am glad that we got to share this moment together. You can find me on Twitter at right said Sarah. That's right as in W-R-I-T-E and Sarah with an H. Be glad to get to chat with you on there. Say hello. Make yourself known. Commiserate with me over this ridiculous game. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. I'd love to make sure that you are following the podcast so you never miss a single moment of the excitement that we have to share together. You can also send me your thoughts via email if they are perhaps too long for a tweet or you look at like the tweet that you're going to start that was going to be like one of 37. Don't do that. Just send me an email. LockedOnLAKings at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to know what you guys want to hear more of, what you want more information on, what you want to dig more into if you want fans fancy stats, if you want guests, if you want guests, tell me who you want on and I will do my best to uh, to get them. I just remembered that I did not even talk about the fact that Alec Martinez got hit in the head with a puck and then did not miss a single shift because concussion protocol is apparently for suckers. I don't know, but I'm real mad. A, how dare anyone hit him in the head? He is perfect and lovely and and I amazing and you hit him in the face like not okay and then he's woozy getting up and then oh just goes out and plays another shift he has a concussion history the game was already out of hand he did terrible in this game just sit him down it's fine i'm real mad about that maybe i'll talk about that tomorrow on locked on los angeles kings so make sure you're following this podcast on spotify on google podcasts apple podcasts or wherever you get all of your shows for your ears like subscribe follow uh, tell your friends about the show that's really the most important part is making sure that all of your king's friend fan people in your life know about this show so they listen to it and we can all suffer together apparently based on this game so that's it for me have a great night day whatever you are listening to this podcast at i hope you enjoy the rest of your time awake and we'll be back on friday for more king's talk on locked on los angeles kings part of the locked on podcast network your team every day